What is up? I'm Miguel Antonio, and you are listening to the Live and Create podcast. It's where I interview artists and entrepreneurs about what it means to live a great life and create great things. And the first two episodes of 2023 are going to be from the Live and Create for the very first Live and Create live podcast. Uh, it took place this past Saturday at Kinship Cafe, which is located at 719 North 6th Street in Kansas City, Kansas. There, the owner, TJ Roberts, he's a, a longtime friend of mine. Uh, he is committed to the arts and committed to his community and uh, and has, has committed to helping do some of these live podcast events as well. Uh, we'll be doing the next one on Saturday, March 4th. 10 a.m. to 1 p.m. That's Saturday, March 4th, uh, 2023, 10 a.m. to 1 p.m. And we'll be announcing who the guests are. Uh, during it, we had uh, segments from Ryan Sorrell, a KC Defenders, and his his episode is going to is going to be dropped here in a few days. Uh, and then we also had Craig Moore, the second, uh, who is he's he founded the organization called Black Excellence, also works for Venture for America. Uh, we're going to be hearing from him today. We had live music guests uh, playing in all of the breaks and opening up the whole event and closing us out. Jazz Couch and Clarence Copridge. Uh, make sure you stay tuned as well. I included a few live recordings of their performances on Saturday right at the end. Uh, we also had two great uh, businesses represented as vendors there, the Scented Web and Plant Diva KC. And I got links in the bio, and so go check it out if you want to check out what they're up to. So as far as that goes, let's get to today's episode. Today's episode, it features Craig Moore II. He is an ecosystem builder, cultural guardian, and talent curator. He's founder of the organization called Black Excellence and a director of development at Venture for America. Craig's professional career has been a trial by fire. He cut his entrepreneurial teeth in the concert promotional world and eventually found himself working at Strange Music in Kansas City, Missouri. From there, he stepped into the corporate world and started to organize all the skills and strategies he had developed over the years. That movement led him to launch Black Excellence to help resource and mentor young black entrepreneurs. In this episode, he breaks down his own journey in entrepreneurship, as well as his passion for seeing the next generations go even further faster. We tackle subjects like code switching in the corporate world, generational wealth, and he presents a fresh take on the imposter syndrome. It's a great episode. Enjoy. The Live and Create Podcast. One more time, give it up, Jazz and Clarence. Want to give a shout out to Victoria Campbell from the Scented Web and Melissa Neely from Plant Diva KC right out here. So let's give it up for them. And one more time, let's hear for Ryan Sorrell, KC Defenders, doing a great job informing what you guys are doing, doing some great work out there. And now we got Craig Moore from Venture for America and Black Excellence. And it ties in really well, I think, because you see a black entrepreneur go out and create a space yeah. where he doesn't have to edit himself and he can and push culture uh, and push uh, just push justice out there uh, as they're moving forward. And that's a lot of the work you're doing. But could you break down kind of the, the origin story and what you're up to uh, with these two organizations? Yeah, um, a lot of it just comes from just my own story itself. Uh, you know, growing up in Wyandotte County, uh, the only way that I can get to college, I found out was if I joined uh, the F.L. Schlegel Marching Band. And uh, that was my ticket uh, to go to the University of Arkansas at Pine Bluff on a band scholarship. Um, I did my first full year. And I honestly, I realized that 
that's all I wanted to do. <laughs> like, like college was like just not for me. And uh, just not knowing, I honestly, uh, I screwed around and I uh, lost my scholarship. Gotcha. Uh, I almost got kicked out of yeah. Kansas State. So <laughs> I, I feel you. No, I did get kicked out. I had to beg my way back in. That's right. What it was. Yeah. <laughs> I, I tried. I really did try. I tried to apply myself, but it, Honest, uh, when I talked to my counselor, she was like, you know, college really just isn't just for everybody. Right. Um, and sometimes, but I was super entrepreneur. I was throwing parties, uh, making good, good, good money off of some of the parties that I was doing and uh, moved back to Kansas City. But I knew that uh, when I came to Kansas City, I just didn't want to have like the normal city job or, or nothing. And there's nothing wrong with it. But that just right. wasn't my path. Um, and so I just tried out a bunch of stuff. I fell into the entrepreneur, uh, into the uh, entertainment scene, uh, ended up working for some really great artists in Kansas City. Uh, a producer, Jay White, he's one of my good friends, working with Joe Black, ended up getting a job at Strange Music. Okay. Uh, worked there. So parties kept getting bigger and bigger. Yeah, parties <laughs> got bigger to concerts. Um, uh, and uh, then I started throwing concerts with a friend of mine named Steady P. And uh, we started doing concerts at... Um, uh, Harris Casino, all these other great things. Uh, but in that journey, um, I had to discover what I wanted to do at each step. Mm -hmm. And uh, so being in the space that I'm in right now, what I'm trying to do or what I would like to do for black professionals and generations to come is to help them not go, th go through the tumultuous way, way that I did of doing it, right. uh, but actually have a, st a strategic plan on what they want to do. And then also just understand what the resources are if they actually want to pivot. So both organizations allow me to do that. Um, Black Excellence, we are all about, uh, you know, two different spaces. On one side, we are developing black professionals to be able to have upward mobility and true trajectory mm -hmm. uh, when it comes to their career path that they are that they are embarking on. And uh, with Venture for America, I'm able to support college graduates uh, to be uh, implanted directly into startup communities across 13 different cities across the nation. Wow. And so uh, being able to just kind of be that support to where, or that holistic support mm -hmm. uh, for that young professional who's looking to have an impact, uh, not only in their pockets, but in the communities that they serve, uh, you know, it's just a true reflection of what I actually wanted, uh, but just being able to do it for others and with more resources. Right. And it seems like you got the development piece and the pipeline piece and they continue to grow yeah. together, which is, man, that's powerful. <laughs> and that's, that's the goal, right? I think, I think the biggest, to me, the biggest thing that we, we lack as a community is just the, uh, transfer to fluid information, mm -hmm. right? How did, how did, the people that we see every day, uh, how did LeBron James make it through high school? You know, we see those things, but we don't know the exact steps that it took. Right. And so that information that is done in those, especially the hard times, understanding how to pivot, understanding how to, um, you know, you know, just get back on your feet after you've been knocked down mm. is that information that we truly lack. And so my goal, especially with Black Excellence KC, is to be able to not only help you, but also record what you did, yeah. right? What book did you pick up? You know, what mentor did we match you with? What course did you take? Uh, with the goal that as we are collecting all of this data, we'll be able to then support any new member or any youth uh, that say that they want to be in a certain position. And here is that, 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 uh, that trail that you can blaze yourself uh, to make that happen. Yeah, and you had said something, and it, it ties in with that, uh, before everything started, 
and I'd never heard someone phrase it this way, mm-hmm. uh, that information is the key to, to was a shrinking the... To closing the racial wealth closing gap. Closing the racial wealth gap. Yeah. And maybe say it one more time just for their, yeah. everyone's sake, listening, uh, because I think it was very powerful and very, at least for me, unique. Yeah, I, I think when you think about most people's perspective when it comes to closing the racial wealth gap is about action, mm-hmm. right? I just need to do. I need to go buy a house. I need to go work harder, I need to go get a, start a new business, wherever mm-hmm. that case may be. And those are, actions are true, but it's the information that lies in doing those actions. How do you appropriately do these things? How do we make sure that as I'm, I'm not just doing a bunch of stuff, but I have a strategic plan of doing it. And that's where that, that data information kind of comes in at. Yeah. And so our whole goal is to create a community to where the uh, the proximity between the person who actually has success and the person who strives for success is so small that they can be able to reach out to each other and say, hey, I am looking to go buy a house, but is this the right market for me to go buy a house? Mm. I am looking to get insurance, uh, life insurance, but is this the right type of insurance for me to get that I can actually borrow from in the long term, uh, that I can actually build my, uh, build my generational wealth off of? I do want to learn more about cryptocurrency, mm. but... I don't just want to guess at it. I want somebody who actually been doing it. FTX right. or something. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Um, and, and so our goal is that we be able to create a safe space for all black professionals in, indus- in any industry um, and any generation to be able to come into this space and just share knowledge. Mm-hmm. If, we share, if we're able to share knowledge and it's knowledge that will be able to impact us all, then it should just be easy for all of us to be able to actually grow our, my goal or what the, to me, our, our marker of impact is that we'll be able to work, work with you to create a plan for the next three years that will increase your income by at least 30%. And if everybody stays on that same trajectory, if we're all talking about sharing the same type of information and then we start moving more as a collective, mm-hmm. then that we will now have a proven concept on how to close a racial wealth gap just by using our own knowledge, creating our own ecosystem, and then spreading that same matter uh, across the nation. Wow. So for you, um, what, because obviously you didn't have the pipeline, Mm -hmm. right? And you didn't have the development. Mm -hmm. What was it that inspired you down this path to actually create these things for others? Um, I was tired of people talking about my potential, right? Like they were like, Craig has so much potential. You know, uh, we just can't wait to see what that is. And honestly, that created a sense of imposter syndrome for myself. Because although, like, okay, let me, let me backtrack even more. My sister uh, was a phenomenal basketball star. Uh, she uh, was from Sumner. Uh, I don't know if you guys remember the Hoop It Up uh, back in the day. That used to be downtown Kansas City. Um, so downtown Kansas City, Missouri, there was a thing called the Hoop It Up in the early 90s. And in high school, she won the men's slam dunk contest. Damn. Like, right. So she was a baller, <laughs> right? Uh, <laughs> yeah, she was a legit baller. Like, and how she got those hops is like, our, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm going off on a tangent. No, that's great. But uh, our, our, uh, our house the basketball goal was at the top of the of a hill uh-huh. and so she would be practicing running up a hill and dunking so then when she actually got on level ground that was easy the the hops was ridiculous yeah. <laughs> um so she got a full ride scholarship at umkc uh she then her coach then transferred to um 
Southern Illinois Salukis. She went over there, and then she went to Wichita State, and she actually took Wichita State to the, to the Sweet 16. Mm. Um, so those are the footsteps that I'm trying to follow, right? Yeah. As you can see, I'm You're not like, athletic. <laughs> I'm not athletic. Right, right. <laughs> I'm terrible. My, my little sister was a dancer. I do not have that kind of rhythm. Okay. Um, so band was a thing for me, right? right? And so it was trying to chase that potential of what was happening around me because mm -hmm. my family was known uh, for having these abilities. And, um, you know, I, I, sorry, I went off on a tangent, so, like, I kind of lost my thought. But uh, it, what, it, it makes sense, though, where you're saying, like, you were – where you said you were tired of people saying, I, I love your potential. Yeah, yeah, but I need to actually accomplish something, right? And so that's what it was. Like, what is that something that I'm going to accomplish? Um, and, honestly, it didn't really come into – Real, real, it didn't really come to me until I got married um, and I had my daughter. Mm. Uh, my wife, I already had my daughter at the time, and my wife was just like, she was a no-nonsense person. Uh, she pulled herself up from, from literally the mud uh, and is a, the only black school psych in Shawnee Mission right now. And uh, when we, were, when we uh, got together, I was still doing entrepreneurial stuff some contract work, and she was like, yo, this, this ain't going to work if we're going to actually get married. Mm. Um, so I had to double down. I had to make sure that I can provide for my family and really put the things that I've been doing for so long, and let me just be real, putting the things that God has been placing on my heart to do and put it in a structure for, to allow me to really create this, this pathway. Right. And all this time that I thought that I was just doing a bunch of random stuff, Literally, BSKC and the programs that we have are things that I've been doing my entire life, and I just didn't realize that this was a part of my true purpose. Yeah. And it really took me meeting my wife, uh, meeting my rib, to be like, yo, you need to figure out how to put all this stuff together. And she's like, I'm not going to help you. <laughs> she, she didn't like entrepreneurship. She's like, you need, legitimately, you need to go get a job. And I did. I went to go get a job. Um, but I told her, like, yo, this is not where I'm going to be stuck at. Right. Mm -hmm. And so as we were building BSKC and coming out with our programs, uh, you know, one of my advisors, he actually uh, was a VFA fellow and he's What's the VFA? one. So Venture for America. Sorry. Oh, okay. So he was a Venture for America <laughs> fellow and he was like, hey, can you post this job on BSKC's job platform? We're looking for a new director in Kansas City. And I was like, yeah, I'm going to post it, but I'm actually going to apply for it myself. Nice. Um, and again, like I said, just being in purpose. And, and that's how I knew it was in purpose because that job aligned so much where even when I was in that interview, I said, look, I love the mission. I love what you guys are doing, but I'm still going to be building BSKC. Mm -hmm. I'm still going to be in the same rooms that you want me to be in for VFA. I'm going to be talking to the same funders. So honestly, whether you hire me or not, I'm going to be on this ride. And do you want to come with me or not? I like it. And legitly, they was like shoot we gonna come we're gonna, <laughs> we gonna ride with you um and and so it's just so much synergy between the jobs that i have now um it just opened up so much so many doors and now i have a a different type of imposter syndrome because this is the peak this is the highest i've been in my career right um and so like how do i top what i did last year is mm. kind of where i'm facing with now uh but with good supports like dp tj and uh the board that i have around me um you know the the sky's the limit when it seems like imposter syndrome can almost work like a, a thermostat in a way where it's like, I'm used to success at 68 degrees, yeah. but I'm afraid to expand to 70. Oh, yeah, 100%. In a sense. So are, is there a tool, like obviously the relationships you have, are there other tools that you use to continue to make sure that you can expand your own knowledge, your own success, as well as the others? Yeah, uh, I, th I think that 
a lot of it a lot of it lies on my spirituality um and i truly believe that god puts you through things so that you can be able to learn for the next level that he has available for you um and so tapping into that i realized that if i'm on if i'm not if i'm comfortable then i'm doing something wrong mm. and so that imposter syndrome is now is now it's no longer something that um that i view negatively hmm. now it's like oh I don't feel comfortable. This is not a space that's familiar, so I'm supposed to be here. That's interesting. I'm so it's so, like embracing. Uh, yeah, 100. Uh, and cool. and and really just leaning into how can I continue to or then getting comfortable with it, know that I'm doing it right, and now it's like I need to pass it on to the next person so that I can be able to take this to the next level. And that's what I what I we talked about in our board meeting at the top of this year. I'm like, y'all got to get out of program phase. Yeah. Like I've been building programs, we've been implementing, we've been doing some great things. Uh, we're building a curriculum with junior achievement to show entrepreneurship from the black lens. Um, and so like, how do I now put the next person in the right position to build that program? Mm -hmm. <clears throat> Lily. Um, and then, <laughs> um, <laughs> and then, right here. and then that way, that way I can now be more in this space to where I'm talking to these civic organizations. I'm talking to these corporations who say they don't know where to find all the black people, but I literally have a membership of over 600 black professionals. And I mean, you, you can't tell me you can't find them if you're talking to me now. Right. And so how do we make sure that we are now um, disrupting mm -hmm. in, these, in this system? Like, let's just call it what it is. This is a system that was not made for us. Uh, but how can I implant myself in these systems and be a disruptor from within? And just and just use the accountability of of my blackness uh, to be able to open up doors for the members that are, that are part of BSKC. That's huge, man. Well, I love it. We got another segment coming up. We're gonna go to Jazz and Clarence. But when I come come back, I I I would love to dive into that. What you just said, mm -hmm. the accountability of your blackness. Yeah, I, I think that sounds very interesting. I'd love you to unpack that. And I think another thing I'd love to dive into is the idea of code switching, yeah. like in the corporate world, and yeah. what that looks like. So we can dive into that. And uh, so give it up one more time. And we got Jazz and Clarence getting ready to break it down for us. Some great stuff. Thank you, guys. I love it. Well, we are back. We are back here rocking. So what I wanted to jump into was this, this thing that you had said, uh, the accountability of blackness. Thank you. I was wondering if you could unpack that for me and those listening. Yeah, um, we're going to learn together because that was something that God just placed in my brain. So. All right. It's not something that I've been stirring. Stuff out <laughs> and then sometimes it goes good. Sometimes. About it. Um, <laughs> but the accountability of my blackness for me uh, in the context of what I was saying it was that um, I'm in spaces that are not normally um, occupied by black by, by, by black professionals. And so for me to be accountable in that space, I have to make sure that my voice is not just my voice, but it's the voice of the people that are behind me that mm -hmm. I can open these doors for. And so when we think about creating community um, and when we're thinking about trying to have an impact, I have to be selfless in the things that I'm doing in these spaces because although, because I understand that once I'm able to disrupt in that space, I'm not really going to benefit from the fruits of it. It's going to be the next five to 10 people behind me that's going to benefit from it. Again, to the generational 100%. So. 100%. And we have to understand that. I think that oftentimes when we're in these spaces, we don't 
we're trying to get them to change right now. Mm-hmm. You're trying to just as uh, there's a book called uh, Post Traumatic Slave Syndrome by Dr. Joy, hmm. okay. and she breaks down the the uh, impacts of uh, slavery at, from the black perspective and from the white perspective. And uh, if I take a little bit of time to tell you this story, so there was two, there was a, a black mom and a white mom uh, sitting at a bench inside of a park, and uh, both of their kids were playing, and the, and the white mom goes, um, you know, your, your, your child is so well behaved, no, no, sorry, the black, yeah, the black mom goes, your child is so well behaved, uh, I, I love how they're doing, the white mom goes, yes, they're in the honor roll, and they're doing all these great things, and so forth and so on. She goes, well, your child too, your child too is doing so well. And the black mom goes, well, you should see my baby at home. Oh, they're a terror. They're just, this is just what they're doing outside. Mm-hmm. And, and what that stems from is that when um, the, the white masters used to come into the camps and look around, most of the time when they were looking for young boys, they were looking for them to sell. Mm-hmm. And so what you did as a mom as, as the master's talking to you, he's like, oh, your son, he looks sharp, he looks strong. The mom would go, oh, he's dumb, sir. Like, like no, so no, no. He, so they yeah. don't want him. Yeah. And we don't understand how, how that has transpired down from generation to generation. And the meaning has actually changed. On the, and what you're doing now, or sorry, the impact has actually changed. Now it's not so much that that white woman that's sitting on the bench wanted your son, mm-hmm. but the impact that, you now, that you're now having is now is that your son is hearing you say that, oh, even though I'm getting praise from somebody else, you're demeaning the praise that I had. Hmm. And so now it has this reverse impact on him that you weren't expecting to happen, but right. you didn't even know that you had it in you it's because it been passed culture. out. Yes, yeah, the culture. Yeah. So we have to be accountable for the things that we do now. Yeah. Um, and we have to have a clear understanding on why we're doing them in the spaces and then who's actually going to reap the benefits of it and yeah. it's not really about you it's about the generations that come after you so it's almost accountability for those following you yeah after that that's 100 percent. and that's it's interesting that it, it makes me think where you you're referencing god as well there's something i think i've observed in black churches versus white churches where it seems like a lot of white churches it's about like how much of a sinner we are how broken we are how sad we are this kind of thing when you think of worship music mm-hmm. uh or the sermon mm-hmm. and going to black churches i've experienced more of like this invigorating like like speaking life yeah. i'm speaking life into this this is going to grow you are a king you yeah. are a god sometimes you hear that kind of language is do you feel like that's almost uh, especially from the black community is it a way that they're trying to flip that culture like yeah, in the black I mean, church i mean then oftentimes it, I feel like it's probably done in black churches more in, in that perspective just because we don't hear it every day. Mm-hmm. And so, and the thing that we respect more than anything is our higher power. Mm-hmm. And so if a higher power is allowing, is, is the one who's gonna give us energy, then that's where you get your, most of your uh, affirmations from, right? Right. And so, because when you go out into the world, those affirmations really don't exist, right. you know what I mean? They exist now uh, because it's popular for them to exist. Um, but in the black church, um, I believe the reason why they, they do what they call quote unquote prosperity preaching is because we, we need to figure out where that's where that energy comes from. Right. Um, and so we just have to kind of be a little bit better. I feel like be better at giving those. I think we are now giving ourselves, uh, the flowers that we were supposed to have a long time ago. And not Hell, just on the Sunday morning piece, 100%. but like throughout. Yeah. I mean, 
because if we're going to be real, the, the church ain't what it used to be hmm. uh, anymore in the black community. Um, and so we have to be able to find our spirituality in other spaces and find that, that affirmation of the spaces. So. That's interesting. What do you what do those places look like? Um, I think it's just the home. I think it's within, within each other, uh, taking care of each other. Um, I just had a, you know, doing small things like as a black man, making sure that if I'm around black women, I'm making sure that they safe. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, I walk around with a T-shirt with shirts that say uh, love black women. It's a heart black women. Uh, I need our, our community needs to know that we are there for each other. We just host, actually we hosted a, so we, uh, Black Excellence hosted a panel discussion called Rebuild Honestly every quarter. Okay. And uh, to me, one of our most impact, impactful conversations was uh, diversity, equity, inclusion within the black community. And, and so, and, and the reason why I created that conversation is because I truly believe that if, if we're gonna ask other people to accept who we are, we have to accept ourselves as a community too. And so we had a representation from the LGBTQ community. We had a representation from um, uh, government officials. We had a, a preacher, a progressive preacher on, on staff, uh, on the board. We had one of our uh, BSKC members there. And the whole idea was to be able to have authentic conversations amongst each other about why is it that the divide happens when it comes to the minute characteristics of the black community. Mm-hmm. And what it really all came down to that everybody wanted from each other is that when I'm impacted as a as a transgender black person, I should be able to see all of the rest of the black community behind me helping me or supporting me in my cause. If I'm a preacher and I'm getting out of outstead of my church because we don't have enough money to cover the expenses, I should be able to see the entire black community supporting me. And Hmm. so if we connect with each other on just the simple idea that when I feel when I am feeling alone I should be able to look to my community to get that support right um I feel like that's what's going to really change change the trajectory when it comes to us actually having a real impact as a community that's wild because it just seems like as a human race we love dividing oh yeah it's crazy how it can just divide more and more we're like I'm Puerto Rican and I was driving around San Antonio with a cousin of mine he has since changed his views since then but Mm -hmm. like it was my first time hanging out with him in my 20s and he started saying some things about Mexicans that I was like damn I didn't know I was supposed to hate Mexicans but like (laughs) I was like I just viewed us all as Latin and he was like no and went off yeah like it's been two decades and he has grown past this which is great but I, I was like, so we just keep dividing and dividing. Yeah, yeah. More I mean, I think I think Mal- Malcolm X is the 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 a good example of how a perception change can can impact everything. I think he mm-hmm. was his most his most powerful bef- uh, after he came back from Africa, because when he when he went to Africa, he realized one he was sent to jail immediately because he was not looked at as a real Muslim. Interesting. Right? I didn't and so that. then after after he came out of jail, he was actually. And uh, and this is a true story, but I'm actually going to uh, reference if you want to see like a more um, uh, 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 more to date uh, rendition of this story. Go ahead and check out uh, Godfather of Harlem. They they reenacted inside Godfather of Harlem. Uh, but basically, he was exposed to the to the Muslim uh, to the Muslim religion in Africa through a white man's eyes. Hmm. And the way that he was taught. Uh, Islam was that he did not pray in the same room as a, as as white people who who have that, and so he had to change his whole entire perspective of understanding that this is really just about the religion. It's not about the differences of people, 
but it was his lived experience that allowed him it was his lived experience that gave him the perception that he had right and so that's the reason why it's about exposing yourself to all different types of your community whatever community that you identify with right so that you can be able to have a just a more open perspective when it comes to people who don't look like you or don't talk like you um in those different spaces but yeah well and that's where i think like ignorance uh, some as a word sometimes gets a bad rap to where mm-hmm. it's like if it's seen as an insult someone says you're ignorant but like if someone can recognize they're ignorant in something all it means is they haven't experienced yet yeah they, they have no knowledge of it so if they go down that path mm-hmm. they like but they have to experience yeah and uh, I, I love that. And, and it's the funny thing about those words like uh, ignorance or gentrification or any of these these words that come with a with a heavy negative uh, energy to it. Mm-hmm. I think oftentimes we just shouldn't use them, right? I think right. that I think that because it's it's going to be loaded. For it's going to be loaded no matter what, <laughs> right? True. And so, like, if you have if you have the um, emotional intelligence mm-hmm. to be able to understand that this word might be triggering to somebody. But I don't mean anything by it. When I, I don't mean the 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 perception that is going to actually be received. Right. Then we should just be cautious enough to be able to make sure that we can support other people or get our get our point across without triggering somebody. And so right. I'm sorry, I just had that little note because that happens no, all good. the time. <laughs> uh, I love that, and that that kind of leads in a little bit um, adjacent almost to mm-hmm. this this last question. I, I was sharing with you before I worked with a program just outside of Chicago, um, like again almost two decades ago. And it, primarily, all the people in it were 99, 99% African-American youth. Mm-hmm. And what we were teaching them was this idea, uh, which I've since been told is called code switching, right? Yeah. We were teaching them, you have to talk this way. Mm-hmm. You can talk this way on the streets when you're in you know, your job interview, this kind of thing. And, mm-hmm. and like I said to you, I was, I was like, I look back on that. I was like, was that kind of fucked up? You know, <laughs> like, uh, but you had some interesting thoughts on the idea of code switching. And I'd love to hear your thoughts on that. And then what, what does that, how does that take shape in your development and pipeline as uh, well? In, in this time, I think code switching is still a, it's still a, it's a necessary tool that you should have. Um, do I feel like that you should not be your real self in spaces where people don't majority look like you? Uh, definitely not, right? Like you should still you should still come in and have that authenticity of yourself, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, how I show my authenticity in a professional setting is that I don't wear hard shoes. I wear kicks everywhere mm-hmm. I go. Uh, that is my connection to my culture that I truly appreciate, and I make sure that other people don't disrupt that, right? Right. Uh, everybody has their way of showing their authenticity, mm-hmm. but I do. I want to go back to understanding that we are in systems that were not built by us and they're not built for us, mm-hmm. right? And so those, so when you come to those opportunities to where you can break down barriers and you can open up doors, um, I feel like that oftentimes, I'm trying to make sure I say this the right way because I don't want to offend anybody. Um, <laughs> but um, I, I, I think there's a, time, there's a time and a place for it, mm-hmm. you know? And I think that we should, in a sense, kind of teach that time and the place. Right. But we should make sure that those affirmations and that sense of community is tied with it so that you're not, um, you're not losing yourself in that space. I think that's, I think that's where it kind of turns, right? Hmm. When you're doing it, when you're code switching so much, when you are inauthentically showing up into spaces so much 
to where you lose who you are or you lose your history, then that's when it becomes a, an issue. But there's a way that I can sit in a room or I've sat in a room full of all white women who are making decisions about black professionals in their spaces. Mm. And I can be myself without saying all y'all racist and y'all have implicit biases <laughs> and y'all don't know shit about black people. Right. You know what I mean? Like there, there's a way to do it tactfully mm. to where they can one understand. And then my aggression is not coming off as aggression. You right. know what I mean? Like the impact that I'm trying to have is not coming off as, as aggression, but as a teaching and a learning moment. Mm -hmm. And yeah, you probably going to be mad. You probably going to cry. <laughs> uh, you probably going to be upset about it, but we're going to sit here and we're going to work through it together. But then I do also understand when black people say, it's not my job to teach them. Right. It's not my, that is not on me to do it, right? And so there's a, that's why I said there's a balance to it. Um, it almost sounds like it might be almost individual. I have a good friend who's Vietnamese mm -hmm. and he just shared with me one day, he was like, I'm just I'm tired yeah. of educating people. Yeah. They're like, I just can't do it anymore. Yeah. So like, Fe February, like, is, February is my busiest month. Why? Because of Black History Month. Because everybody wants to talk to you 100 percent but we do representation matters all year round right you know what i mean we feature a black professional on the news every week on thursday at 9 a.m on kctv5 every week we show representation matters all week but in february is when you want to grab our toetail for free right by the way <laughs> and i have to present my blackness in this way and so hmm. i think that there's a there is a way that we can and I, and and so uh, big shout out to there's a training called uh, Racial Equity Inclusion Training uh, uh, ran by uh, Stephen E. Smith uh, that she does every quarter. And um, it's really made to break down the systematic barriers that were created for all people of color. Mm -hmm. um, but there are a lot of white people who are in that space who are really trying to change things. And so BSKC, we actually just recently partnered with uh, a group called uh, Idealect. Mm -hmm. And they actually have allyship training. Interesting. And so they are creating concepts with our support uh, to be able to train people on how to create those safe spaces without putting all that load on black professionals. Right. Um, and so, I, like I said, there's a balance. There's going to be people who's tired of it. But there's people who, like myself, am I tired? Yeah, but this is the, this is the road that I chose. Right. Um, and so I don't mind being in those spaces. I don't mind being that person who um, has to be patient. Um, and I don't, honestly don't think that I could do it if I did not have my wife. Uh, I, I, I'm like, for <laughs> she real. She talks some sense. Oh, my you. gosh. And, and for her to ha I mean, God knew to give me a psychologist as a wife. It's a good and bad things to it. But for me to go in there to be able to have that safe space and be like, look, this is what these crazy ass white people said today to me. Right. Um, <laughs> but uh, but, you know, what I mean, to have that space to do it. And that's also what we try to create with BSKC. So a shameless plug, if you don't mind. Hey, um, do it. So we're actually creating an uh, online platform uh, to where our professionals uh, be a safe space platform for our uh, black professional members only. Um, and there's a space in there called the water cooler. And the water cooler is where we welcome you to express your microaggressions. We welcome you mm -hmm. to express that. I don't see somebody looking at, look at who looks like me in that space. And the community will help uh, help you, you know, relieve that steam to kind of help you get back in that space. And I think that's what's needed. Like right. if you don't have in real time, I'm experiencing this. All of us got a group chat 
that we be like, yo, this is what this person said to me today. You know what I right. mean? But sometimes that group chat don't understand your perspective because they're not in your industry. Uh, they might not be on the growth level that you're on. So for us to create that space uh, for you to do that openly amongst 400 to 600 black professionals who might be in the same space as you, it creates that community, it creates that, pro that proximity. That is the name of the app too, proximity, uh, for you to be able to get that relief and then just get back into the space that you need so that you can be able to progress and we can move forward as a group. That's awesome. Now with some of your work, is it, is it the hope uh, that that becomes less and less of a need for yeah. the conversation? Oh yeah, oh yeah, 100%. Uh, um, I attended a, uh, a women's panel not too long ago, uh, ran by Innovate Her, uh, shout out to Lauren Conway. And on her panel, she had a boomer, she had a millennial, she had a Gen, Gen Z and a Gen X all in this space. And she all asked them about their upward mobility and what they experienced. Mm -hmm. And as she went down, down the line, the stories of the inequities that they all experienced lessened and lessened and lessened by the generation who actually had it. And it was the Gen Z or whoever was the last one. Was it Gen Z or Gen X? I can't remember. But whoever the last one <laughs> was, she was legitimately like, I don't even experience that. Hmm. Like I, the company that I work for has progressed far enough for me to know that I do get equal pay. Right. For me to know that I am seen as just more than just a woman, but I'm seen as a professional in this space who's a leader. And, it, and Lauren summed it all up to just be like, Wow. Like, look at what this person went through and then this person went through and what this person went through to not for this young person not to have to experience that. And that's what I want for the black community. Hmm. Um, you know, we are in in the space of collecting. I want to collect enough data to where no matter what hurdle you go through, what barrier you go through, what road in a road, what pathway that you go through. There's going to be a reference points in there that you can go to and say, this is how somebody overcame that. And so then that way I'm not experiencing and then I'm creating a pathway for generations to come. Uh, and it should just be easy uh, for, for us. And yeah, I eventually I don't want to have to exist as an organization no more. Hmm. Like, I think that's the true thing of a nonprofit. Nonprofit should not be existing if the problem is solved by that nonprofit. Right. And so. If anything is left, was just our app. I'm happy with it, and I would love to say that BSKCU has will will dissolve in 10 to 20 years from now because there's there's no longer a need for us. That's amazing. Well, thanks for uh, sharing your story. Thanks for the work you're doing. It's nope. amazing. No problem. Thank I love you. It. Craig Moore, give it up, Black Excellence, and we're gonna have we're gonna have uh, Jazz and Clarence play us out. Give it up one more time for them. Doing a great job. And uh, let's give it up for TJ here at Kinship. Yeah. We got Melissa Neely, Plant Diva KC in the back. Let's hear for her. Victoria, Victoria Campbell with the Scented Web. Let's hear for her. And one more time, our other guest, Ryan Sorrell, KC Defender, is doing a great job out there. Thank you guys for uh, sharing your time, sharing your stories. And uh, yeah, let's play us out.
up in the sky Even when nobody right by my side Cause in these clouds I feel so free, I feel so light I don't realize I'm flying, flying, flying But on the ground I feel so down, I feel so lonely So if I'm found, keep me floating on a higher ground, yeah. Don't bring me down, keep me where I am right now, yeah. Give me space, I'll be okay in my face, I just can't take all the fake in the and the saying, I'm trying to do my thing right now. Ain't no game right now. Don't want to hang right now. I'm cool. I said I'm okay. Just give me space. Ain't wasting my whole day. Need to get away in the clouds. They keep me safe. Ain't riding nobody's wave. I ain't nobody's bay. A dollar another day. My paper come anyway. See, I get my cake and then I'll eat it too. I know that line is kind of typical, but I mean these ups and downs, they come in any way. So if my problem's tomorrow, why would I stress today and waste my day? Carpe diem, know just what I'm praying, know just what I'm saying before I get the thing. I'm closer to God when I'm up in the sky. And if you can see heaven, then why wouldn't you fly? Yeah. Keep me floating on a higher ground. Don't bring me down, no, no. Keep me where I am right now.
with directions I don't know but we're always moving forward you know <laughs> but uh, up down is a song about um, not wanting to do things and then having to come down from your high whatever your high is let's get it
I don't want in Cause I don't want nothing to do I just wanna take some time, elevate my mind If that's alright with you, yeah And if you wanna come along, we can take our time Passing it back and forth Got a one-way ticket to paradise And I'll stay there all day long So come, come away with me And away we'll go And if I'm with you, then the skies are blue And they'll stay that way for sure I said come, come away with me And away we'll go And if I'm with you, then the skies are blue And they gon' stay that way for sure Let's go down Let's go listening to the live and create podcast if you like what you heard make sure you subscribe and leave a comment or a review 
the Live and Create Podcast.